Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We are your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Today, I'm going to tell you guys about the murder of Rhonda Hinson. So pour yourselves a strong cup of fire department coffee, and let's dive in. In 1981, 19-year-old Rhonda Henson had just recently graduated from her high school in Valdez, North Carolina. She was working as a clerical worker for Hickory Steel Company, and she also volunteered at a local daycare. When Rhonda was in high school, she was a pretty popular girl. Um, She played tennis and was really great at it, and she had a lot of close friends. Her mom, Judy Henson, had even said that there was nobody that Rhonda disliked. She just got along with everybody, which in my eyes is such a feat because there's so many people Erica and I dislike. (laughs) I love everyone, (laughs) but also Abby's correct. (laughs) Yes. So at the time, Rhonda was working, but she was living at home with her parents. Uh, Judy Henson, who I just mentioned, was her mom and then her dad, Bobby. Things were going pretty well at her job, and they were actually going to be having a Christmas party on December 22nd, 1981 for the employees. And so Rhonda decided to go to it, and she was going to bring a couple of her friends with her. The party was pretty close to her parents' house, and it was at the American Legion. And she, on Tuesday, December 22nd, left her parents' home and went and picked up her friends to go over to the party with. Her plan was she went to her friend's house to meet up with her friends and go to the party and then they're going to come back and Rhonda was going to stay at this friend's house. So they go to the party and hang out. Everything's normal. And then they leave and go to her friend's house. And for whatever reason, Rhonda decides that she's not going to stay there. So around midnight, she leaves her friend's house. From her friend's house, her parents' home and her home was only about 10 miles away. So She leaves her friend's house around midnight, and this is the last time that Rhonda will be seen alive. Something interesting that I came across, this is actually covered on Unsolved Mysteries, which, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of, but they had an interview with Rhonda's mom, Judy, and she mentions that that night around 1 a.m., she woke up in like from a sound sleep. And she just had this like feeling, she says. Uh, She said, quote, I woke up feeling panicky, scared because I felt like something had happened to Rhonda. I felt like Rhonda was dead. I felt like she had been in an automobile accident, end quote. That's such a weird feeling to have or like to hear about. And I've heard about it before, too, where you have, especially with twins, twins and parents, I guess. You have this kind of like sixth sense, like something's up. And I, I mean, I don't know how much validity there is to that. I certainly believe that you could have like that kind of connection, but I understand that that's a little out there too to some people. But we covered cases in the past where psychics are involved or people have weird premonitions or visions. And I always think it's something interesting. It's a different spin on a true crime case for sure. What do you think, Erica? Do you believe in that kind of stuff? I do only because when I was a kid, my grandma had cancer and I'd gone away to camp. And there was one night where I went up to my camp counselor and I was crying and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm sure I, or I said something like my grandma passed away. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, like she just passed away. 
And like, I remember how traumatized I felt as a child in that moment. But when I got home, my parents told me that my grandma had passed away on that Tuesday that I'd gone up to my counselor. So whether or not it was a sixth sense kind of thing, or if I just had that feeling because I was a child and I knew that she was sick, I don't know. But it's weird to me that it happened the same night that she did pass away. So I do believe that it's possible only because I feel like I've kind of experienced it. But I was in third grade. So like I was pretty young. So like I said, it could be either way. But I definitely think it's possible. And I mean, we've definitely, like you said, covered cases with psychics and stuff where it's hard to prove otherwise, you know, like it it makes sense that that's something that exists. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree 100%. I just and the thing is, I'm willing to accept any explanation when it comes to that kind of stuff, like whether it's a sixth sense or like, maybe I mean, obviously, our brains are way more advanced than we even know how to use them. So maybe there's something there that we just can't like conceptualize yet. A little bit later on, Rhonda's beige Datsun 210 was found about a half a mile from her house. The car was still running and had actually rolled backward across the opposite lane, and it was in a ditch. The driver's door was open, and they found Rhonda's body just a few feet away in the same ditch. She was laying on her back, and it looked like her arms were specifically put by her side laying down. They had concluded that there was no way that she took herself over there and that's due to her injuries so they figured out that Rhonda had been killed by a single bullet that came from a high-powered rifle and it was fired and had like just an insane amount of force it went through the trunk of her car through her seat and went through her heart so somebody shot her while she was driving that's what it seems like and through her trunk so maybe someone was driving behind her shooting or someone walked up couple comments one where did it hit her in the where'd you say the bullet was it went through her back and went through her heart that is some pretty damn good aim who has that kind of aim that you could shoot through a trunk and in theory we're assuming that she was driving because if she was stopped then that leads the whole question of why she was stopped she either stopped the car and was like sitting there and then somebody shot her or somebody shot her and then she somehow carefully rolled to a stop. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I would say, yeah, because if you, I mean, if you're driving and you get shot, you're no longer going to be like pushing your foot on the gas. There's not enough force really for you to just lay your foot on it and it go like she probably took her foot off and it stopped and then when it stopped it must have been on an incline and rolled backwards yeah there was the other case we covered where the girl got shot in her car and then like drove her car like to another parking lot and then stopped if you remember that it's been a while but so that's i mean it's happened before so it's possible that that's what right the car doesn't 
it wouldn't make sense if the car just stopped. There's no other way for that unless she had stopped and put it in park, but it clearly wasn't in park. So what I think is something to note is the fact that her body was outside, laying outside of the car and they're basically like, there's no way she did that herself. The question is, was it an accident and like someone, well, let me say this first, I guess her parents have some, um, have proposed a couple of different things on what happened. I guess her dad, Bobby, believes that someone was just outside shooting, um, being kind of dumb and not following basic gun safety practices and accidentally shot through her car and it was an accident. And the scenario went and checked on her and pulled her out to see if they could do anything and realize she was dead and then just took off. Or if you go with her mom, her mom and actually um, law enforcement too, for the most part, believe that someone did this intentionally and maybe someone was following her and took a shot and I am very surprised it ended up the way it did with one single shot and there weren't more but they did what they set out to do and of course they're going to flee the scene maybe they pulled her out because they wanted to make sure she was actually dead if that was their intention. I do think though and this is just my brain working the way that it does if they were driving and following her it would be hard to drive and shoot like be able to hold the gun and shoot enough to aim and kill her that way. So then it's also like, is it possible that there was a second person in the car and they shot? Well, and a rifle too. Yeah. So that's going to have, that's going to be hard and it's going to have a backfire. Like that's not going to be an easy gun to shoot while you're driving. Or they were parked waiting for her to come by and they knew her route. That's yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Or somebody was waiting on the side of the road. And then as she went by, they shot her. Okay, so yeah, so I'm, I'm leading to something here. I'm glad we went the right route. You never know with us. Um, before I do that, I do really quick just want to say that police did say they collected some type of DNA from her sweater. However, they would not release what it was. They just said it was forensic evidence or foreign DNA is what they said. So I just thought that makes sense too if someone pulled her out. I was gonna say, well, yeah, if nobody, if there's no way that she took herself there, then it would make sense. And it is... A- beneficial that they were able to find dna i at least i hope so i don't know where this is going but usually that's helpful well you know especially with we talk about it all the time like advances in dna technology if they have that and it matches you know with something in a database it's a familiar match and then they can track down people like it's always good to have dna evidence for sure well and you said this was in 1981 so i mean we've seen cases recently that are being solved from years ago like just like this like 40 years ago due to dna advancements so this is i'm hopeful maybe i don't know where you're going you finish right okay well one more thing they did estimate that she died somewhere around 12 15 and 12 30 which if she was only 10 miles away from her parents home from her friend's house so and she left a little after midnight so that also points to someone following her it's not like she went off and did something else and then was over there like it was within the time frame on the route she would have taken to get home did anybody follow her from her friend's house that her friend noticed no i assume her friend probably wasn't looking out the window watching her leave maybe that's something we should start doing i'm typically like i like to watch people just to make sure that they get in their car safely or if i'm dropping them off i like to make sure they get in their house before i leave that one i do typically so yeah 
so a lot of times though when people are leaving my house like where people park when they get to my house is they'll park in front of my kitchen window so i'll typically stand in my kitchen and watch them get in their car and then drive off it might be weird or creepy i don't know but it's just it's a habit of mine i think it's fine so don't do anything weird when leaving my home (laughs) so Rhonda's mom judy really thinks that she was targeted and she says that about several weeks after Rhonda graduated that she started acting a little different and a little weird. She started asking her dad to go with her to trips to town, which typically she would just go by herself, but she was asking her dad to go with her. And on one of these trips, she actually said to her dad, and this is a quote from him. He said, quote, I said, what is it, Rhonda? I said, no matter whether it's good or bad, tell me. And she said, I'll think about it. And she never did explain, never did tell me why, what it was, you know, she's afraid to tell me, end quote. It makes you wonder what that was. Yeah, that makes me think of Bryceless Visa as well, where they're like, I'll talk to you later. I have something to tell you, but then they don't do it. And we've talked about this before, I think mainly with the priceless visa case but potentially with other cases if you have something to tell somebody that is dire or something that could lead to your death at all you should write it down or text it or like have a phone call yeah like it never seems to i'm sure it works well in most situations but there definitely are situations where it doesn't work well and then we're left wondering what was it that you wanted to tell us Right. And even if you like write it down and put it in like a hidden spot, like likely it'll get found. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it'll get found somewhere, pass it along to somebody that you can trust. I mean, especially if it has something to do with you thinking your life is in danger, you should probably tell somebody just in case or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have the right answer. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. Yeah, it's just, it's clearly something that's troubled her father. And it's unfortunate because, especially if she just felt unsafe for some reason, which it sounds like she did, you never want anyone to feel uncomfortable just even just driving by themselves. So it's really sad that she was clearly experiencing something. I guess apparently too, right before her death, she had randomly asked her mom if it was acceptable to date a married man. Um, Her mom was basically like, no, (laughs) Um, that's only going to hurt people. And I will note too, Rhonda did have a boyfriend at the time. I guess they were going through a little bit of a rocky phase, but police never said he was a suspect or a person of interest. There are articles and some I would say blogs, people who talk about this case, or maybe even newspaper people who are in the area who have done their own kind of digging, and they go into a lot more detail about the people in Rhonda's life, her boyfriend and her friends, but I I would absolutely recommend going and looking into it. I didn't want to go too far into it solely because police never said he was a suspect and her parents didn't. And I'd hate to just put that on him if he's really just not involved and people are just grasping. And maybe they're not, I don't know, but I just didn't want to get too far into that. 
And with that, actually, I came across, I want to say it's a, I was in a newspaper um, writer. He did a whole big series, I guess, on this case where he breaks it down in different articles. I don't know if it was originally on a newspaper. I found it just on different, slightly different web sources, just different pages. It was strange enough to me that I just didn't look that far into it. But if you just like Google this case and Google her boyfriend, they'll pop up and you guys are obviously more than welcome to read those and check them out and let us know what you find and you think. So these occurrences, her being a little nervous about driving by herself initially made investigators think maybe she was being stalked. And then there's also a couple other things that happened. So we have a we have a couple witnesses who saw something that night. So one of them had drove under the Interstate 40 bridge on Mineral Springs Mountain Road, which is right where Rhonda would have been driving to go home. And she said this was between 1215 and 1230. And she saw a blue Chevrolet facing in a northerly direction with two white males in the vehicle. And it was just parked there? Yes. It actually ended up being about 200 yards away from where her body was found. That's suspicious. Yeah, and obviously right around the time of the murder. Do we know anybody with that kind of vehicle? Well, if they came across anyone with it that they thought was fishy, they didn't do it. They either investigated and it led nowhere or, I mean, nothing has come of it. So, but real quick, another witness saw that same car with the same description and saw, they said there was a man in it driving and he was speeding away from the direction of the crime scene. And this person actually was driving opposite. So they drove by where Rhonda's car was parked and saw a woman in the driver's seat kind of slumped over the steering wheel and saw a man by the door standing. But he, but this witness interpreted it as a drunk couple, like switching seats, like maybe they fell asleep and just kept driving and just didn't think anything of it. That's fair. I mean, that's probably not a situation. First off, it's the middle of the night and so it's probably dark and it sounds like it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. I get the, I mean, it sounds like to me it was right off a highway turning onto some streets, but if it's an area where the dad thinks someone was just kind of messing around shooting a rifle and it's in North Carolina, I'm assuming it's kind of a rural area. That's just my assumption, I guess. So yeah, I definitely wouldn't have stopped to like see what was going on or really even thought anything of it. So what we have from this though is the same car and two men. So now that's two witnesses at different instances seeing the same thing. Right. So definitely suspicious for these people. I'd like to know who owned a blue car. I don't remember the name of the car, just the blue car. Oh, it was a Chevrolet, but that's all they had said. But something interesting, you know, we were kind of talking about intuition and psychics. Police actually decided to put one of the witnesses under, I think it was the witness who saw the, saw Rhonda in the car that had driven by, put them under hypnosis to try to figure out some more details, which is just made me very much think of criminal minds. (laughs) I was thinking of Derek Morgan. Yeah, right. Like sitting down, being like, all right, close your eyes, baby girl. Would you smell? Would you smell? Yeah. So here's a little quote from what they'd gotten from this person. It says, quote, a Chevelle, it looks blue, 70 model, I believe. Looks like the front end of it has been messed up. It's in primer. The primer is gray. He's not a big guy. He's about six foot or 5'10". He's about medium build, sort of dark brown haired guy, end quote. Not a bad description, except for it includes 
eighty percent of white males. I know, right? They at least get the the make and model of the car, if it's accurate. The witness also said they remember seeing a second car parked down the road from Rhonda's vehicle that was a black or a dark blue Trans Am. And so, I mean, this just goes along with the two person theory. Yeah. What? Okay. So the other person that had seen it, and when she drove by. She said she saw the blue Chevy there as well, correct? Both of them reported a blue car. One said a Chevy and then one just said a blue car, but then went back and did the hypnosis. So that's two people saying a blue Chevy. And now this other one else also putting another vehicle there. So what I'm getting at, I found it interesting if it was two people that they drove different cars. Well, that would infer that... Actually, I don't know. I was going to say it would infer that they planned it, but it's still weird to be driving two cars in that situation. But here's another theory, though. Maybe the one car just saw something and freaked out and split, and that's why they were, like, speeding away. And then the other car, the parked one, with the was probably to the person or belonged to the person who was standing outside Rhonda's car. Probably. What if there were two people who parked over there and they were out shooting around and just being idiots and something happened. And one was like, I'm going to go check on her. And the other one's like, I'm out. Yeah, that's, I could see it. It is interesting that if they did accidentally shoot her, that they went up to the car, they noticed that she was dead and then they pulled her out. Were there any signs that they'd even attempted CPR or any life-saving measures? That's a great question. It's not reported. I assume if you got shot through the heart, you're pretty dead. So they might not have. So they might not have attempted it. Yeah, I just find it interesting that they pulled her out and then didn't try anything, I guess. If they, if they didn't try any life-saving measures, like, did they just pull her out to look at? I don't know. I'm just, I don't know what my thought process would be if I accidentally shot somebody. So I'm not going to sit here and judge that too much. But it is, in this situation, it is something that I think people are going to be very critical of because we don't know if it was an accidental sh- accidental shooting or if it was on purpose. What do you lean towards? I lean towards it being on purpose because I think it's hard enough the fact that they were able to get have that aim that that shot that went through the car through the seat and right through her heart that it just seems so strange if it was an accident like it just seems even weirder so I almost feel like from that logic you kind of have to think that maybe it was more of an aimed shot that's fair I really I personally think there's just a lot we don't know and I Do you think it could go any way? Or maybe there's even a scenario that we haven't even touched. Like I said, watch the Unsolved Mysteries episode. It's pretty good. And then feel free to go read through those other theories. Uh, There's a lot out there. And I, I really recommend checking it out. If you have any information about the case or who was involved in the death of Rhonda Henson, you can contact Lieutenant Becky Weatherman of the Burke County Sheriff's Office at 828 438 Five five zero six or Crime Stoppers at 828-437-3333. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible.
Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.